I'm Tanner Scott, and you are listening to Secrets to Scale. If you want to scale your business, you've come to the right place because this podcast is all centered around hearing successful stories from successful people and uncovering their secrets to scaling their businesses. This week on the show, Max Fish joins me to discuss how to identify resume fraud when hiring, specifically with virtual assistants. Although hiring non-domestic contractors is a very popular thing right now, keep on listening to this episode to make sure you understand what to look for when hiring so that you don't get burned. Welcome to the show, Max. I'm really excited to have you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And uh, um, I guess the best way I would describe myself is a real estate guy uh, who, you know, kind of fell into the you know VA outsourcing space. And uh, today, that's that. I basically split my time. I would say between the two. So how did how did your career transition from real estate to virtual assistance? Yeah, that's an interesting story, Tanner. So I um, I started on the real estate space uh, early two thousands uh, as a mortgage guy. I did my first uh, flip in two thousand and three, and uh, been in the business one form or fashion ever since. And so um, at one point I had always a big marketer. So at one point I had uh, as many as eight. Uh, full-time W-2 employees in my office making calls, kind of like a call center. Like I had the cubicles and stuff. It was all set up pretty cool. And and uh, there was a lot of different problems, but the one story I always tell is the fist fight in the bathroom. And if anybody, if any of your listeners have ever had uh, employees, they know exactly, you know, maybe they didn't experience that, but uh, other issues. And a friend of mine had said, why don't you try VAs? And so the day came that I just couldn't take it. I had to let everybody go. And I started with VAs and then people start asking how I was uh, doing what I was doing. And I said, yes, but I got to charge you. And, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, three, four years later, whatever it's been, here we are. And, and a business was born, right? <laughs> I'm sure you weren't Bus- planning on that. Business was born. No, I wasn't planning on it. Uh, and real estate still takes up, I'd say, at least half my time. Uh, that's where I make, you know, the majority of my uh, my income. Um, but, uh, but I really enjoy speaking with, uh, other business owners, real estate folks, um, specifically about, you know, cutting costs or outsourcing needs, things like that. So, so what kind of verticals do you focus on with VAs outside of real estate? Um, out, so we, we literally just, um, the end of last year, set up a new entity to focus on other verticals. Um, we're still kind of trying to narrow that down, but we've had inquiries from the healthcare space, uh, the automotive space, um, business, you know, internet marketers such as yourself. Um, I mean, I could go on and on literally anybody and everybody you can think of accountants, um, attorneys, uh, obviously there's some limitations when you get into some of the licensed professions like insurance and things like that. But, um, um, but yeah, we, we don't want to be all things to all people. Um, and I certainly, you know, don't want to spread 
you know, I don't want to have one client in 10 different verticals to start. I want to go from one vertical to the next um, so that we, we have a really good handle on what we're doing. We can provide a lot of value uh, and as well as the management and training if needed. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the right approach because trying to appeal to the masses is not, obviously doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so, so how long have you been doing the VA aspect of the business? Uh, I'd have to take a look. The first year was basically us, you know, trying to find our legs, establishing processes, procedures, um, you know, identifying what worked, what didn't. Um, so, you know, not taking that into account, I'd say probably, uh, probably somewhere between three and four years. So, so let's go back in time to when you decided to jump in with that, you know, what were some hardships that you experienced? So I would even go back further because I had uh, outsourced, um, you know, some very simple administrative tasks uh, even earlier than that. So I'm um, probably going back maybe six, probably like six or seven years. That's where I really had a, a good understanding of how to interact, uh, the different kinds of things to expect. Um, we had tried an agency. We had, I had tried to do it myself. So I, I definitely, I definitely cut my teeth prior to um, real estate project solutions and, and Liberty business solutions. Um, but I, I think that's really where I, I kind of, at least the, the major issues, for example, um, you know, like a digital time, you know, time clock or, or, or payroll or something, you know, the really big stuff that, that we got that ironed out, you know, long before. Would, would you attribute your success to hiring BAs with, you know, your real estate aspect of what you're doing? I don't know that I would attribute my success entirely to it. I would attribute my ability to grow my business over and above what I could have done by myself. Absolutely. Um, but I also, I like to look at things you know, from a few different angles, right? So, you know, every decision can't be about money. Um, so, you know, I have time freedom, I have peace of mind, I have support. Um, you know, I, it used to be when I was basically working, it was like, say me, you know, maybe one or two other people in the office, and that was it. Taking a vacation was tough, right? Yeah. Because payroll was every Friday. So who's going to do that? Um, you know, little stuff like that, you don't realize when you're in the thick of it, and especially because it's an industry I've been doing a long time, I really enjoy it. So if you, you know, if you love what you do, it's kind of hard to, you know, I don't know, see the forest through the trees or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a good point. Uh, I'm, I'm actually in the process of hiring my first VA. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'll have to report to you guys how that, how that all plays out, but um, kind of in relation to hiring a VA, a VA um, today we're talking about resume fraud. So Max, what's your experience with this? How do businesses know whether or not a resume is real or fake? This is a really, really interesting uh, area to focus on. And I, uh, I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, so just let me give you some quick context uh, for you and, and for your listeners. We are currently interviewing somewhere between five and maybe 600 people a month. Okay. I have four full-time women uh, in, a, in an HR department. And that's all they do is interviews. Uh, so we see a lot. Um, and what we came to find over the years, and especially in, in these third world countries, um, places like the Philippines, and we hire globally, a lot of people just focus on the Philippines, but the Philippines, um, South America, places like that, 
um, they actually have, there's actually companies that have set themselves up and they will produce a, re- a verifiable resume uh, for someone. And depending on what you want them to do, um, it, it can be a big problem. If this, if the tasks are simple, it's no big deal. But, um, but yeah, we have a lot of experience with it and we have set up processes so that even if we we don't figure it out right away. Eventually, we we come to realize there's a there's an issue or there's something wrong, um, and I can get into you know some of those some of those tricks um, if you want to call it that that we use. So so before we get to that, um, how are how are they making these resumes verifiable? Are they like creating fake websites that you would go to to see if that company's real? Fake websites, fake uh, fake Google listings, uh, phone numbers that go to, I guess, some person somewhere who answers <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, we've seen some 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 sophisticated stuff. Um, again, the way we're set up, we we don't we don't focus on it too intently, only because um, it's just you could just drive yourself crazy. But um, yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting. It's kind of impressive in a way. Um, yeah. So, so what's the most common thing that you see? Um, I would say probably previous employment. Um, so I think back to when I started in the mortgage business, um, back then there was a lot of um, either verbal or written verifications of mortgage, uh, employment, housing, things like that. Um, so if you say to a guy, where do you work? And he says, oh, I work over here. And you say, all right, we're going to call tomorrow at 3 p.m. and talk to your HR manager. Well, anybody can pick up the phone and pretend to be the HR manager. So that's like the most simple, um, I guess, example uh, of the kinds of things that we see. But but again, with this, it gets way more sophisticated. Um, it's, you know, they want jobs. But yeah, it's, I would say, I would say previous employment is probably the biggest one because it's the easiest to manipulate. Uh, what about like education and certifications? Yeah, so that's tough. Um, depending on where you're looking or where these folks are from, it's difficult. Um, the Philippines, for example, they have what they call an MBI clearance, which is comparable to a, a, an FBI background check here in the States. Um, very difficult to get. Um, the first one I ever saw, I mean, it could have been fake. I didn't know. Um, you know, so, so there's that kind of thing. You know, um, do they keep... Do, do the schools keep adequate records? You know, who knows? Um, certifications. I mean, they don't have the kind of infrastructure where you can verify, you know, different thing, different licenses. I mean, they do to a degree, but just not like we do here in the States. And so you have to really kind of change your mindset when you're looking at um, something like a resume. Um, so, so Max, can you speak from personal experience of actually hiring someone that had a fraudulent resume? I'm sure we have. Um, and so, so we're basically in a, at a point now where we look at the resume and we just use it as a, as a qualifier or, or even a disqualifier. Um, we're using personality profiles. We're using um, multiple interviews. Um, we're using other documentation. Um, so, you know, if a guy stretches, stretches the truth on his previous employment, you know, Hey, I've been, I was there five years when he was there too. Um, it, it might not matter. Um, on the other hand, if you're going to make this guy, your executive assistant, and he's going to have access to your bank account or something crazy, you might not want to put a guy who's going to stretch the truth on that 
you know, in that seat. Um, so I think that the, the, the role, the job, um, the access that person has will also dictate how, how intently you want to focus on this. How, how often do you think the fraud is actually occurring? And I would think that most business owners don't even think twice about it, right? I don't think anybody's really paying attention. Uh, I think a lot of people probably do not care. Um, if you're looking to hire someone, I mean, this is a pretty minimal expense compared to like a, a hire here in the States. Um, you know, not just the money, but payroll taxes and, and unemployment insurance and, you know, it goes on and on. Um, so I think there's that piece. And then I also think that, you know, somebody wants to hire somebody and they feel good about them. They're going to make an emotional decision a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times. Um, and then lastly, I think that, you know, people will interview until they find someone who's good enough. Uh, as opposed to saying, all right, I'm going to do 50 interviews. You know, I mean, who, who has time for that? <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I have the infrastructure so we can do it. Right. But, you know, but are you, I mean, how, I, I would pose that question to you. How many people are you going to interview? You know, uh, as far as the VA or just like regular domestic hires? No, no, the VA. So I'm going through an agency that is doing a lot of the interviewing for us. Uh, so I have no idea how much time they're spending on it, but they basically just come to me and say, Hey, here's our top applicants. Let me know if you want to interview them yourself. So there you go. So even you are not willing to invest that much time in, in doing the interviews. Um, chances are they're, they're probably doing quite a few to find if, if, if you're looking for really, really skilled folks, um, you know, really good candidates, they're probably interviewing, you know, who knows 20, 40, 50, um, considerably more than you would be willing to spend your time interviewing, I'm sure. Right. Because for a domestic hire, I think the most we've ever hired for a single position or interviewed to hire for a single position was maybe eight, which was a lot. I mean, it was a big stretch of everyone's time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, because it stretches over days or even weeks, you have all the documentation and then you got to make some decisions and yeah, absolutely. It's a big undertaking. So, so how does it work with you guys? Do you guys offer some sort of trial period to kind of combat the risk of maybe hiring someone that wasn't fully qualified or are you just able to pick that out during the interview process? I, I, I believe that the vast majority of that stuff comes to the surface long before they ever um, get placed with a client. Um, we offer a fully managed solution, but also a placement model you know, for a one-time fee, kind of like a recruiter or headhunter, uh, we're going to offer guarantees in both those situations. We certainly don't want to take a guy's money, find out the person's fraudulent, and then just say, sorry. I mean, because we basically didn't do our job, whether it was our fault um, or not. I, I don't, to me, that doesn't matter. So, <clears throat> uh, you know, so there's going to be guarantees. Um, what I have found is that we hire, then we do the training, and then we'll place them with a client. The, the handful of times that we skip that training process, that's when we've had issues. Um, so just a real quick example, um, I had a client looking for um, an American living abroad, an expat, um, because they sound a certain way and, and all that. They have the cultural fit. They understand the real estate business. This, he's a real estate guy. Uh, and um, we got this we found this guy, he applied, he was great, very excited. 
And uh, lo and behold, four or five days later, he disappears. And it, it turned out that uh, he needed more money. And it's because he had his own real estate wholesaling business here in the States that he never told us about. Now, now, now that would have come up if we had done it, you know, but we cut corners uh, and, you know, it, it's people will do, you know, when it comes to money, people will do funny things, especially in third world countries. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think the, the biggest thing that holds most people back from hiring a VA is A, doing payroll internationally and B, finding someone that can speak and write fluid, fluent English, right? Um, what's your guys' approach that, to that? Yeah, I, and I, I agree. Um, I think everybody, depending on the role, depending on the industry, have different needs. I think both of those issues are definitely, uh, they definitely rank high in our experience because um, we do, you know, questionnaires and different things like that um, on the intake. Regarding paying internationally, there's a few ways to do it. Uh, the easiest is something like PayPal. Um, you have to be careful because a lot of these payment systems uh, only allow for um, individual to individual transfer. They do not allow you to act as a, essentially as a have you treat them as a payroll company, basically. Um, PayPal's great, but the exchange rate's terrible and the fees are horrendous. So um, if you're willing to go through some aggravation, um, you know, there's a few out there like uh, Remitly. Um, there's a number of them. And um, the big issue is just set up. But once you get set up, you're good. Um, and then the other uh, the other question, um, uh, let me think, what did you say? Payroll and... Um, what was the other thing you asked me? I'm sorry. Just sourcing candidates that can speak and write English oh. fluently. Yeah, fluent. So we have a very extensive um, process. I mean, we advertise, you know, on, I don't know, like 80 or 90 different paid sites, a bunch of free sites. And we ask for um, a resume, um, voice recording, and a bunch of detailed information. And then there's multiple interviews, uh, mock calls. I mean, there's a lot. And basically what we're trying to do is create a funnel and get people to the point where they say, this isn't worth it. And they walk or we catch them, you know, as we've alluded to earlier, uh, you know, misrepresenting their abilities or, or whatever, as far as the, uh, the resume goes. Um, so yeah, if someone can't speak uh, and write English to a certain level, they're either going to be offered a um, administrative position that doesn't require, you know, serious phone work, certainly not like lead generation or something like that. Um, or they're going to be disqualified basically, you know, somewhere in the first like one or two steps pretty quickly. So Max, are your clients in charge of doing payroll for their VAs or do you bill them and you pay the VAs? So it goes back to uh, the service offering. If it's the managed solution, um, we bill them twice a month we handle everything essentially. And if it is, uh, you know, again, like a, a placement um, headhunter recruiter, uh, then they're taking that all in house. We're going to consult with them as part of the, the placement and, and get them all set up with all the systems and everything. But at, at the end of the day, it's on them. Okay. Good to know. So Max, what would you say your secrets to scale are? Secrets to scale. Um, I think what we're talking about, good people. Um, and that can be here in the States, that could be, you know, virtual assistants, um, business partners, uh, mentors, coaches, um, 
you know, it's every, everything. I mean, right down to who you surround yourself with. But I think good people is definitely the biggest. Um, to take a, a, a you know, a, an idea out of Gino Wickman's book, Traction, uh, right people, right seats. So you can have great people, but if you have them doing the wrong jobs, that's a big problem. Um, but I, I definitely, as I said, in, you know, when we first started talking, I was able to um, uh, scale my business, do it in a way where I had more peace of mind and, and less, um, I, don't know, I guess, like less on my, you know, less on my plate um, by finding good people to do tasks that in most cases I just either didn't want to do or didn't have time to do. Um, so that I can really focus on the things I enjoy. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent answer. I think that it's super, super important for any entrepreneur to be working on the business rather than in the business. And if, if you can't afford to hire people to do those tasks, then you gotta, you gotta figure something else out. Right. Absolutely. I mean, something as simple as Fiverr. I mean, I, I have people all the time that come to us and say, well, I don't really have a budget. And, you know, it's tough because I want to, on one hand, I want to say, well, we all started, you know, we all start somewhere. Um, the other hand, you want to say, well, you know, you really should have a budget. Heck, in the event of an unforeseen issue or a rainy day or whatever. Um, but you know, everybody can pull together a hundred bucks and, and, you know, and outsource, you know, outsource per project instead of, you know, finding, you know, hiring someone full time, for example, like there's, there's different ways to do it until you're in a position where you can um, uh, afford and more importantly, provide enough work for uh, a full-time person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. So Max, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me today. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you think might benefit the audience? Oh man, uh, that's tough. Um, you know, we could talk, uh, <laughs> We could talk all day about, you know, about VAs and, and outsourcing. Um, I guess just some words of, uh, you know, words of wisdom. Um, we, uh, we always say uh, uh, slow to hire, quick to fire. And I would tell your listeners that if you, if you are outsourcing uh, or working with other folks, the minute that things go bad or they don't meet your needs, it's best to um, pull that Band-Aid off quickly and make a change. Um, but um, Aside from that, you know, um, ask a lot of really good questions. As I said, slow to hire. So, you know, don't just take people's word for it on the resume. And, um, you know, other than that, I think, uh, you know, make sure it's, it's somebody that you can, you know, you can work with. Um, so I'd say that pretty much, uh, you know, that's enough to get, you know, get your listeners started at least. Awesome, man. What's a good way for anyone listening to get in contact with you? Uh, I'd say uh, Instagram, um, maxfish, F-I-S-C-H dot M-E, uh, or uh, Facebook. Um, yeah, either one of them. Awesome, man. Well, we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes. And thank you again, Max. Tanner, I really appreciate it, man. This was great. Thank you for listening to another episode of Seekers to Scale. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. This episode is sponsored by Ranksy Digital Marketing. If you need any help at all growing your business online, we would love to help you. Just visit our website at ranksy.com. That's R-A-N-K-S-E-Y.com.